So today uh, we are continuing on with uh, with this warning against apostasy, but now an encouragement to the believer. So uh, not too much doom and gloom today, in a sense of, uh, but rather an encouraging uh, uh, encouraging the Hebrews based on their hope and the reliability of that hope is what the writer is trying to give them certainty about, which is very important in terms of how we can apply that to our daily life as well, right? Uh, the reliability of God's word as it is unchangeable, as it is, as it is true. Uh, oh, I'm getting coked up. All right. There, there we continue. So this is a very uh, good text. <laughs> Not saying that there's any bad text, but this is... Um, very, really uh, just bursting with a lot of uh, application for yourself as we live in these uh, gray and latter days. Hello, uh, YouTube people. YouTube people, that's so, that's a word. Oh, hey, Matt, how are you doing? Sorry for the sermon this morning. Uh, the sound system was, you know, technology, it's 99% certain, but there's that 1%. Anyways, uh, why don't we continue uh, with a word of prayer. Let us begin. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Lord, guide us in this word, uh, knowing full well that our hope is rooted in what you have done for us. Bless us in our life of faith as you continue to feed us, sustain us, and lead us um, in great confidence and, and boldness, uh, knowing full well that we live already under your name. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, so anyways, uh, we're going to start here on the new handout. Everyone have a new handout? Um, and, uh, here we see verse nine to 17, which I think we can get through today. So, so last week, uh, we talked about kind of the thorns and the thistles again. Um, where do we first see the thorns and the thistles? Thorns and the thistles. Uh, where do we see that? Try to say that ten times really quick. Uh, thorns and thistles. Okay. Um, even even before that. Oh, ooh, Chris on the ball here. Not saying she's never. I mean, not surprised. Sorry, <laughs> but she's right. Uh, in the in the garden, right? Thorns and thistles, right? Uh, that is the result of the. Fall, right? Fall into sin. So we see that consequence. And, and, and here again, we see that thorns and thistles again. But now he is, the writer is switching up um, to the other side of things and um, to the comforting things, um, to the better things, to the good things. Why don't we read that? Uh, verse 9, Hebrews 6, 9. Hebrews 6, 9. If someone could read that. All right, so, uh, so the preceding words, if you look at your handout, uh, were of great urgency against apostasy, that is, renouncing the faith and turning the other way, right? There, there is a great urgency. There is a great risk, isn't there? Um, and, and here we see uh, now, what does he say? Though we speak in this way, right? Yet, again, this is kind of that reversal part, in your case, Beloved. Why, why does he say beloved? Why doesn't he just say you guys? <laughs> why doesn't he just say you folks or you friends or you, 
keeps. Is that what you said? The yellow things that you eat on Easter that never dissolve in your body. Anyways, uh, <laughs> do they? I don't eat peeps. Uh, but they're probably, if I did eat one 10 years ago, it's probably still nestled quietly hibernating in my body. Anyways, but the point is, is that, what, why does it say beloved? Why does it say the, uh, the agape toy? What, what, what is this about, the beloved? Who are the beloved? Those who are loved by God, right? So why is that so important? That little address, you know, uh, why is that so important? Uh, when it comes to uh, how the writer addresses the people. I should do that more, calling people the beloved. Um, but why, why, is, why is beloved the name? Yes, Marjorie. Well, in one sense, there's more of a sense of inclusion. If he were to say, you guys, or, you know, it, it's more, I can't think of it, it's, it, it's more like objective, as opposed to including them as we are a family. You normally don't speak of people that are like strangers or somebody on the street as a beloved, but a beloved would be your family members or those who you love as well. Yeah, so, so when we talk about beloved and loved by God, uh, in light of all the urgency of what they were talking about, apostasy and, and the risk of, of turning away from God, here he kind of turns it around and says, no, you are loved by God, right? This is a very, what's the word? Very uh, gospel-y, gospel-centered word, right? Uh, that you are loved by God through the body and blood of Jesus who, who died and rose and who shed his blood for you. And this is why you are the beloved, reminding them this is their true hope, right? That they are the ones loved by God. Very important. Loved by God as in gospel coming down to man in the incarnate word, Jesus Christ. In the incarnation, remember, as I always say, carne asada, flesh, enfleshment. It's been a while. It's been like, oh man, a week. Yikes. Spoken Spanish or even Mexican? Eating carne asada, I think. Anyways, um... Oh, speaking Spanish is um, daily. Anyways, uh, but here, right here, at home especially. Um, yeah, it's fun. Anyways, so we see this picture of beloved. This picture comes to mind. So when, we call, when he's calling the people beloved, he is really bringing out this picture of the gospel and what God has done to make them the beloved all by his all-atoning sacrifice, Right? Because it says, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. Now, what are the better things? I think that's a question, right? What are the better things here? I think we just read it, but anyone can describe that further for me? Uh, the better things? Not being cursed, burned, and thrown away. That's a good way to put it. Um, uh, <laughs> that's right, right? The chaff. Um, uh, but... When we talk about better things, what are the better things? As a Christian, you know, uh, when we're saying better things, what does that mean? Better things. Assurance. Don, yes, assurance. Right? Why is that a better thing? Uh, I mean, of course, it's so obvious, but <laughs> you're right. I'm worried about uh, what Weather. That's where I'm with the cross. 
or whether you're saved or not, right? So, so definitely the better things are your salvation. And, and this is where, when we talk about the better things, uh, better things belong. Where does that belong? It belongs, B-E-T-T-E-R. Its location is is in salvation. So everything that is of salvation, coming from God to man, loved by God, you are the better things that is given to you. Um, that's right. Thank you, Dane, for preaching today, because I definitely have more energy now. <laughs> now I'm yelling, and that means <laughs> I have more energy. So thank you, Dane. You know, it's great to listen, by the way, right? Like, I was sitting there, I'm like, this is, this is grand, you know? Anyways... Uh, great job, Dane, again. I'll keep it up. Anyways, but he- here we see um, loved by God, beloved, the better things. This is who you are. And remember, beloved and better things are things, gifts that are given to you through the promise of Christ. And, and this is a reminder for the Hebrews as they're faced with persecution, many who are turning from the faith, let's say. This is a reminder of who they are, and that reminder is of the better things done for them. Very important. Assurance. Don doesn't get by uh, his own ideas, but rather it is given to him, namely by the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like his assurance is Jesus and his work, right? So when we talk about beloved and the better things, very important here that the writer is encouraging them by the better things. What is your great encouragement? Can I, if, if, if um, Nancy, <laughs> I do that to my kids every day, you. Anyways, your name, yes, you. Anyways, um, uh, if Nancy is having a bad day, what does she, can I give her a little... Pick me up, spiel, a motivational thing that will give her really a, conclu- uh, a concrete blessing within the toil. That Can I just say, you know, you got this, <laughs> you know, one of those? Like, pep talk. Pep talk. I mean, how far does a pep talk go? Um, where do, when we talk about the better things of God and his word, how far does that go? Yeah, forever, eternally, right? So when we talk about uh, the better things, um, this is what he is encouraging them by. So the better things in your life is not simply the things of this world, but the better things is salvation things. Anything in the narrative of salvation is the better things. And that's what you need to hear constantly as your great, not only encouragement, but comfort that you are indeed forgiven of all your sins by the work of Christ, that assurance, right? Um, okay, that sounds good. Uh, verse, 10. <laughs> verse 10, so I can read that. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Oh, very good. So uh, what does this mean? God is not unjust so as to overlook your work. Um, what is it about work? Um, is, is the Hebrew writer saying this, that your works will gain you salvation? Is that what the Hebrew writer is saying? No. What, what, is, what is it about work? About the work? Um, what is he describing there? Anyone, any thoughts on that? Um, how are we to work? 
Yes. I, I think that it's actually in the very next couple of words about the love and the love. And they are done together. The work is done through love. And the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people. So loving your neighbor and working there, the work isn't work per se, it's out of love. Yes, and that love, I know I'm like <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on a, on a um, peg here. I couldn't imagine me on a peg. Um, anyways, but what that love, it says right there, uh, the love the, you know, the, that you have shown for whose name? Christ. Yeah, his name, in his name, right? Um, and in, I know in's not there, but uh, his name is very important in a sense of... You know, school's coming up. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, when we, when we get up in the morning, how do we proceed to work? How does Tom, uh, when he drives to work to the, to the coast, um, what is he, I'm not going to ask what is he thinking about because we don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> what is he uh, dwelling upon? Or, 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 or Stephanie, when she's going to work, uh, in our community, uh, doing a lot of community uh, uh, things in our community, community things in our community, sorry, redundant. But here we see, well, what, how does she and, and he, how do they work? What is the, the motivation that Don is a very good at making those, I've never seen charts like what Don makes. <laughs> Especially at our council meetings, I'm like, I can't wait for the charts. They're just so fun. Oh, he, I made him laugh. <laughs> That's off my bucket list, Don. Yeah, I made you laugh. Anyways, uh, got that one. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> um, Dane, you need to be here more frequently. Uh, so <laughs> I want to ask why, Marjorie. Anyways, but here we see uh, why, why do we do such things? Why is his name so important in terms of our vocation and what God has called us to do in this life? Anyone? So when you say opportunity, what does that imply? Versus opportunity. Okay, what's the opposite of opportunity? Or obligation or burden, right? Um, Who sometimes wakes up in the morning and says, oof, I've got to go to work today. Or I have to do this thing. Or I have to fix something around the house, or I got to deal with my boss today. Well, I don't say that too much. No, I don't. But, uh, <laughs> but how much is our life sometimes a burden where we're like dragging our feet and saying, oh, no, another day. How, how, do I, how am I going to get through this? Um, this is kind of the tension here that we see in this text uh, about his name. In serving the saints as you still do. That opportunity, as Marjorie said, is rooted in the gospel, right? That opportunity, that joy of this is what God has called me to do in this life. And every work is a, uh, under his name is a great work, right? The world might say something like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. But every work is a great work, right? Um, every nuance of your life, everything that you do... 
uh, is a great work under his name. And there we see that opportunity. Now, again, why is the better things so important? How do these translate into how we proceed in what God has called us to do? Why are the better things so important? To understand those better things uh, as what they truly are. What if we don't understand the better things? What happens to work? Anyone? More of a burden. More of a burden, a have to, or even a me-centered endeavor, right? I need to get this job uh, to, to, make the, um, to make the cash, uh, to live merrily, uh, as we parable the rich fool, right? Eat, drink, and be merry. The great, the great storehouses have them all full, uh, full. Fool, get it? Full, fool. And anyway, have them all fool uh, uh, so that uh, they can have their perfect life. And again, you know, it's so many different ways when it's not about the better things that is of God and his word, the gospel, work definitely changes, uh, whether it be me-centered or burden, right? Like, I just want to get through the day. Don't bother me. I'm just doing my job and, and getting it done. And there is no joy there, right? But here we see what? Here he is um, reminding them, God is not unjust so as shown for his name uh, to overlook your work, right? And the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. Still do, right? And that is that picture of continuation as we, it always reminds me of the creed where uh, we say in the creed that God still takes care of us, right? That it's not just like he made us, but he continues. He still takes care of us. As we still do, that is, love our neighbor um, in the work that he has called us uh, to do, right? And this is very important because if work becomes about assurance, about gaining assurance, um, then we really don't, we need to hear about the better things again and what that is about, and that is the gospel, right? Um, Your rest is in the very word that you heard this morning. Um, And as you are in the better things of God's word, there you continue to work. Like Matt on on YouTube right now, I know he's he's probably listening, uh, as he goes to work. See, I'm including you, Matt. See? Anyways, um, but every day you go to work, Matt, you know, uh, there as you deal with all the engineering things that you do, Uh, There, God is using your hands and your wisdom uh, to help your neighbor. And this is what we uh, prayerfully always approach each and every day um, by the better things of the gospel. So it it is an opportunity to look at your life's work from a different perspective, the gospel perspective, which allows you to see it in a different light and also allows you to rise above the every day-to-day doldrums and look for the better things that are promised and are always forever. Yeah, I mean, it's always in the better things that is the gospel. Even not, not even your, like your, let's say your uh, labor job or your outside job or whatever, but even vocation as husband right. or, or parent. Uh, you see def- definitely things different, I think, as a husband. I know my, I won't go too deeply into that, but um, I know I'm always working on that. Always prayerfully working on being a better husband. Uh, <laughs> no comments. Don't ask. All right. Uh, please don't ask. 
Um, but the point is, is that what I've seen in my, in my life, and I know I'm only 41, I think, uh, but, but, but um, that the great divide in every situation is this, my name or his name, not the situation. Does that make sense? It's not because I have a not, I don't get along with my coworker, or I don't have a good boss, or, or um, I don't know why I'm looking at Jeff, but, um, um, or um, it's not because, you know, this situation is not how I want it, but rather it's remembering where we live under, under his name, right? And that's the constant um, uh, of our, our life of faith as we love and serve. And, and as we see on our handout, the third use of the law, always important, as children of God, how do we love and serve? And that's what the commandments show us, right? So do you see that tension in your life with that opportunity versus burden? And that in the same way, my name versus his name? Do you, do you see that tension um, when you're teaching a child, that very moment where you're just like, okay, this is a wonderful situation, right? Uh, how can I serve them? Uh, and, and in our fleshly nature, we, we see how that can be a different picture as we live under our name and we serve in so many different ways for the sake of self rather than neighbor. And this is the work that uh, the Hebrews are doing. They are working um, and loving and serving their neighbor and, and seeking the needs of those outside of themselves because of the beloved, because of the better things, as a Holy Spirit works and guides them as they bear fruit in their lives. Do, do these fruits save them? No, it is the better things. Jesus Christ that has saved them. It's through that joy and gladness, as they hear and receive that very word, that they're set free from their sin, that they see their life in a completely different way, that everything that they have is from God, even their job, even their talents. I can't be like Luis, right? I see a car and I run away because I don't know what to do except maybe change the washer fluid or, ch- or check the thing for the oil. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, change a light bulb in the, in the headlights. I can do that. Go on YouTube. But everything else, I'm like, I have no idea, right? But we're all given this talent to, to love in the name of Christ, in who has set us free as the beloved ones. Yes, Marjorie, yes. I was going to say that I think one of the important parts of this, too, is at the very beginning when it says God is not unjust. And I think that when you're in the midst of some of these situations, it's easy to start feeling a victim and to not, and to think, you know, well, where is God? Or, you know, it, to, to question that and to just remember that he's not unjust and that he's going to, he remembers what you what you do. He's not just some impartial entity. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I, I think uh, he, his will is done, and, and he gives us, you know, uh, Chris, you know, people, everyone just pours out the compliments on Chris's playing uh, because it is amazing, right, to say the least. Uh, but I think more so it is, oh, no, she's going to like, don't talk about me, Pastor, again. Um, it is her joy. 
right? It's, it's the joy of not just a feeling happy, happy, joy, joy, but the joy of being who she is as a child of God, right? And she's a great example of that. Sorry for putting you out there, Chris. But it's true. And this is, I think, for all of us, uh, whoever you are uh, uh, listening this day, that you have a great calling under his name. You're not just independent. You are a child of God. And by his love, uh, you continue uh, to, uh, to love uh, uh, by the work that he has given you to do. And, and that's, a, that's a very different picture than the world who's going through that rat race or the grind of just this life, you know, um, yeah. So anyways, um, okay. Sorry. Uh, I think we kind of covered that. Yeah. The fruits of faith. Um, oh yeah, that's right. So we should read our notes. Um, bearing fruit is again, from the explanation of the creed is, it is my duty to thank, praise, serve, and obey him. Right. Um, and that's what we ought to do for all that he has done for us. The fruits of faith is not self-serving, but rather focused outwardly on neighbor. So that's, um, that's our picture. Um, there's something about that, you guys, you know, the joy of Christ. It does transform you. It, it makes you see things in, in, in a completely different way. Under the blood of Christ, that's how you're living. But just think about that. Like everything that he has placed in your life there, that is, that is your call to serve. Um, and what a great joy that is um, to do that. Um, yeah, my job, I, I always tell my kids, I'm never, you tell me when to retire, kids. If I start, you know, if I, if I can't do it anymore, you let me know. But until then, we're going full throttle. Anyways, um, <laughs> verses 11 and 12. If so, could read that for me. Verse 11 and 12. I did. Thanks, Jeff. That's right. They said my name, Ernest. Um, I don't have an A in my name. But anyways, I'm more of an Ernest Hemingway type Ernest. But anyways, um, we desire each and every one of you to show the same earnestness uh, to have the full assurance of hope, right? This is the way to which they proceed in the full assurance of hope until the end. What is your hope, my friends? What is your hope as the beloved children of God? Your hope is Christ and what he has already done for you. Tell me, anyone tell me, and and further explain to me how joyous that is, knowing that when you sing the nunc diminis, Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word or according to thy will, why is that so comforting to you in your daily life? Anyone, when we talk about um, full assurance of hope, I know Don talked about assurance earlier, but what is it about assurance, uh, the writer here as he is doing, as you continue to love and serve, there you proceed in the full assurance of hope. Why is that important? Well, what about half assurance, Marjorie? No. Half? You can't be half pregnant. 
wow, I didn't know that was going to. <laughs> Things people say, unexpected moments, right? But very true, right? <laughs> very true. Uh, um, um, yeah, Dan, you got to preach more because everyone is just um, energy levels. Energy levels high for everyone. But but here we see uh, it's so true um, that there is no if there is a half assurance, which I think Christians some may they might not say it. But there are people who do the 50-50 thing, right? And what do I mean by the 50-50 thing? Anyone? God's done his portion, now I need to do mine. Yes, and, and, and there is a way of saying that, like, God did the full portion, now I am called to love and serve under his name, but what you're saying usually is what? It's he did 50, I do 50, and we meet in the middle, and voila, there is salvation. Salvation. I don't know, Nancy. So you don't have a church. No, I don't in that hypothetical case, right? (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Transactional God is a very common theology, especially in, um, ultimately, in world religion. It's what you do to find that full assurance. But as you said, how... How will that, when will you know when that is enough? When you live in full assurance that is Jesus and what he has done for you, that does change how you love and serve, doesn't it? I mean, it becomes less about you and more completely about the outside neighbor. Does that make sense? Like, it's not about, like, there's no motivation. Like, if I was a half assurance guy and says, well, I, I got to take care of Glenn because if I do, that'll up the, the, the bar graph. <laughs> with that bar graph, um, um, I will have that fuller assurance with God. Oh, I, I made an oopsie sin, and that, now I'm always constantly on this, this scale of trying to get there, right? Um, and at the end of the day, we fall short, right? And here we see you strive to the end, right? In the full assurance of hope in what God has called you to do. Um, not only salvation in what he has given to you in the better things, but daily as he provides for you in every which way, as you believe, right? This is the day that the Lord has uh, gave. I will rejoice and be. We should all sing the chorus. Anyways, but the point is, I have my ukulele in the, in the, um... <laughs> anyways, um, but every day, right, is a gift from God. And there every day, now, when I say gift from God, it's a full assurance of hope in Christ Jesus, right? Like, this is the, 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 the lens of faith to which we proceed in every opportunity as we love and serve neighbor. It's different than someone who says, well, I have to do this. No, out of the joy of the gospel, there we proceed not only to love our neighbor, but even at times speak the Christ to them as they need to hear the good words of Christ as well, the gospel, right? This is every opportunity that we have. So we definitely see um, things in, 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 in so many different ways when it comes to the full assurance and the opportunity until the end, so that you may not be sluggish. Now, how easy is it to be sluggish? Raise your hand how easy it is. Is it easy to be sluggish? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Is but easy or is low? Say that again? Is, high, is a high hand super easy, or if I'm lazy, do I just like, keep it down? <laughs> Oh, I get that. Uh, okay. 
I guess it could be and both. But anyways, uh, or, or and or both. But the point is, is that uh, in, in, our, in our life, in our flesh, um, trust me, how, how many times have we been sluggish? Hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, if my wife says um, to do something, um, uh, sometimes it takes me maybe a year or two to get used to the directions, right? Hypothetically speaking. I don't know why you're laughing. But the point is, you know, and that might be something, oh, how does that relate? But really, in our daily life, it's that eye of, through the love of Christ, um, how, do I, how has God called me to love my wife, my spouse, my neighbor? And, and, and this is where we get back to, that's right, I am a child of God. I am loved by God. And He has called me as He is my perfect Father and I'm His child. Because of what he has done, I have the perfect father who shows me the perfect love. That is his sacrifice. And now I know how to love as an imitator of those that have proceeded for me in faith, right? Um, and with patience as we live out our days in this life. And that is all rooted back to who we are under his name. We see that tension, don't we, in our life. And that's why at the end of the day, there is repentance and there is forgiveness and there is Jesus, right? And there, under his name, in baptismal, we go back to how he has called us in this gift of the gospel, through the water and the word, the sacraments, uh, the supper. And there, in the better things, we proceed from the vine to the branches, from the healthy tree, healthy tree uh, to the good fruit. It all is rooted in the better things of salvation. Right? So here we see patience. Faith and patience inherit the promise. Um, what is it about patience as you are waiting that is so difficult? Because we want it now. We want instant gratification. How difficult is it to wait in this life of faith? Do you, do you see that in your life? Do you see that tension in your life with waiting and being patient in the faith, especially in the midst of trials and suffering and tr- struggle? Um. Do you see that difficulty at times, that, that spiritual struggle of waiting, patience, even when the things around you look like it's just falling to pieces? Um, here we see that assurance coming into full play, right? God, you know, right? Um, you know all things. And, 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 and here we see that from the beloved status that you are covered by the blood of Christ. Right? This is the picture of what that patience is all about. Because, oh, we didn't get there yet, uh, but because God is fully reliable. Um, Oh, yeah, we have a quote here. Um, The danger of complacency is all too familiar to the flesh. We all know that sluggishness is very, uh, very, uh, we are all susceptible to that. Um, And until the end, there we see it. But here, uh, from a commentary, I just had to write this down because... Declining is great. The teacher encourages them to be imitators of their spiritual predecessors in two ways. First, they should emulate their faith. How do we emulate their faith? Their faith, the faith that trusts in God and his promises, even in the face of disappointment. The faith that hopes for what is unseen and sees what is invisible. So first, when we talk about imitators of this faith, it is to trust in God. Dane said faith is, uh, uh, what did he say this morning about Faith, uh, trust, or grabs, right? He uses the word grabs um, in his sermon. 
See, I was listening, by the way. I'm always listening. I don't get a lot of time to listen like that, so I was listening. Um, but we, we see that, that faith trusts. And this is the, even in the face of disappointment. Right? Like, faith doesn't have any conditions. Only when the things are right, I have faith. And how many times are we like that, though? When we have the puzzle pieces together, then we will have faith. But when the puzzle pieces are just like in this box of puzzles, I gave my niece a puzzle, and she rolled her eyes like a thousand pieces. I'm like, hey, it's Starry Night, Van Gogh, come on. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but, but when we see all these pieces, we're just like, how is that good? And, and here we see the picture of the life of faith, right? That faith is Christ and what he has done. So definitely, this is what it means, of the unseen, the hope of a full assurance. Second, they must also emulate their patience, What's long-mindedness and a long-term perspective that looks beyond what is here and now and what we fully enjoy only at the end? What does, what does that look like? Very important here. And we'll, we'll close on this. I have four minutes, but so important. I want to draw this picture because, as you know, I can't draw anything else but lines. So when we talk about long-sided what does it say right there? Not long-sightedness, I know, but long, long-mindedness, a long-term perspective. What, what does that look like? Uh, uh, how are we right now, right now, minded, minded, mindness, mindedness. All right, um, how are we to see... Uh, this imitators of patience and faith in this long-minded, long-term perspective that looks beyond what is here and now and actually to the end in the unseen, and that is the full assurance. How would we describe this, you guys, in terms of right now, 2022 already, uh, how does this play out? In this life of faith, when we, when we and I draw this as a um, hey, that's Van Gogh. Anyways, uh, the eyes, right? The eyes of faith. Those eyebrows are to die for. Anyways, um, um, when we see this picture. How are we to proceed? What are we, how are we to see things? So you're not looking at what is right in front of you. You're looking at the future. And even though you can't see it, you know what you've been promised. And that's what you look toward. So you're looking towards what is, uh, to the end, our full assurance. But yet, in that now and not yet moment, as we are awaiting that, through that pure into the, into the end and what we see in that full perspective in the long-term uh, race, as we call it in this life of faith. Now, as we see the things that are close to us in this day and age, how does that translate in a sense of being imitators of faith? We look at the end, right? But yet, in the meantime, how, how do we see the meantime in the midst of what we see of what is to come in the end? How are we to proceed in that? Now, 
I always think of like the 23rd Psalm about the fact that we're, we're going through the valley. We're not stuck in the valley. We will always go through the valley. So no matter what we're facing, we know what the end is. Yeah, and that is, of course, Jesus, right? And, and what he has done. But as we go through the valley, and this is very important for everyone, so, so remember this, is uh, when we see what is to come in our final return of our Lord as children of God, it definitely does transform how we live in the now, doesn't it? We're always looking at what is to come, but yet even in the now, as we talked about today completely or, or, or in depth, about how that has set us free in the now, as we wait for the not yet, set us free in this time and space uh, to love and joyfully live in the gladness of what God has done for us. Right? Our eyes are never taken off the end. Right? It's not detached or compartmentalized from our faith, but rather our eyes are always anticipating and looking for what is to come. But in the meantime, as we're looking afar, we see all this stuff in the meantime, in front of us, in our vicinity, and there, as we are looking at the end, we continue in patience and faith to live out our lives in the here and now, never taking our eyes off the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So I don't know if you've ever, uh, when I preach, um, when I'm, if I'm, let's say, looking far away, well, our sanctuaries, you can't really look far away, but if, if I was looking far away, there's definitely people in front that I'm not necessarily looking at, and I think this is where, when we talk about the life of faith, this is that, that here and now where the far away, the what is to come, definitely shapes how we live in the now. And this is the imitator of what it means to have faith and patience, right? It is the word of Christ. And that's why the word is so important for you to hear and receive time and time again, because we know sluggishness is real. We know complacency is real. And we very well know how easy our eyes are taken off the long-term perspective of the eternal promises of God. We know that tension, right? And therefore, in the gift of the gospel, as we receive it time and time again, there the Holy Spirit continues to give us the sight that we need. And that is the great joy of who you are as a child of God right now. Um, so this is, I think, as we talk about the life of faith, this is, um, you know, our Lord knows when we are to go to the Lord. Right? We all miss Ruth daily. And, uh, but what we do know is that, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm, I'm chuckling there, but what great joy it is for her uh, to be in paradise with God. Uh, and it has uh, definitely in her faith as we know it, as you all seen it, uh, there, this is where she always was, right? Uh, in that picture of Christ. And, and this is an example of, of those that have gone before us, the life of faith, right? Um, and it's more than just knowing it, you guys, right? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about here? It's more than just knowing the facts, but rather in this life of faith, uh, in this very word, the Holy Spirit leading you in this very word as you face all the challenges, let's say the sufferings, but yet just as Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, the valley of dry bones, these dead bones, what happens? Will these bones live? Uh... He said, Lord, you know, right? And that is what we know is the Lord's promise. So remember that this day. Uh, we'll stop there because it's getting late. Any questions before we close? Does this make sense, this picture of perspective? The long term, in a sense of how it relates to here and now, as we talked about it, hopefully uh, it is, but we'll talk about it next time a little more. 
But uh, yes, we didn't get, oh, we, get, we did decent. We did decent. Anyways, uh, why don't we close uh, with a word? Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Lord, bless us in the full assurance of hope, knowing that in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, there we have been gifted already the full assurance of his body and blood given and shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, bless us in our life of faith as you continue to give us the great joy and gladness being liberated from our sins and, and giving us life in your name. Lead us as you continue to uh, assign us the very good work that lies ahead. Bless us, O Lord, unify us, and always grant us uh, the good news uh, eternally um, as we proceed in your name. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.